According to one way of looking at the world, January 2024 is now over 83% of the way to completion. Charlottesville community engagement, however, will likely be sorting through meetings that have been held so far this month with the goal of weaving together narratives of how decisions were made. I'm Sean Tubbs, and it's in this manner that I've come to terms with reality. On today's program, a boil water advisory remains in place in the Hollymead area of Albemarle County following a water main break yesterday afternoon. Albemarle County will send out real property reassessment notices today, and the average increase is 4.07%. Charlottesville seeks applicants for boards and commissions, and the Albemarle Board of Supervisors weighs in on the goals and objectives of the environmental stewardship chapter of the county's next comprehensive plan. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, come gather round, people, wherever you roam. From February 5th to February 11th, WTJU's 2024 Folk Marathon will air around-the-clock folk and roots specials from around the globe. WTJU is gathering friends for a raft of musical deep dives. From Richard Thompson's soundman Simon Tassano to local favorite Michael Clem, from Virginia Folklore Society recordings to a celebration of Kevin Don Levy's 25 years sharing Irish and old-time music, plus dozens of artist features and deep dives. Check out the full schedule at WTJU.net. Their sound techs are setting up mics for eight live performances in seven days. They're excited that the lineup includes The Buzzard Hollow Boys, Terry Allard and Gary Green, Mama Tried, Eric Red Neerham, Barling and Collins, Uncle Henry's Favorite, and Silo O, and Live Squeezebox. WTJU is here for you, and your donation makes the station available to everyone. Visit WTJU.net to give your support to the Folk Marathon, coming up February 5th through February 11th. The agency that provides water and wastewater service in Albemarle County's designated growth areas has issued an an emergency notice to customers advising them to boil water before using it for drinking or cooking. Here's something from an emergency notice sent out late afternoon on January 25th to customers of the Albemarle County Service Authority in the affected area. Due to a water main break along Route 29 south of Camelot Drive, Low pressures occurred in the water system. The advisory is required by the Virginia Department of Health because there is a large chance that untreated water got into the water distribution network, which could mean the presence of bacteria. Betsy Nemeth is the Director of Administrations and Communications for the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority. She said in an email to Charlottesville Community Engagement that the ACSA flushed the lines in order to get chlorinated water through, which would hopefully eliminate any bacteria, and they are now testing the water in that line to ensure that there is no bacteria present. If the testing verifies there is no bacteria present, the advisory will be lifted. In this community, the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority treats raw water for drinking and then sells it to the ACSA and the city of Charlottesville. The advisory covers thousands of commercial and residential customers, ranging from Airport Acres to Willow Glen. Customers are also asked to restrict water use while the repairs are made. Here's some more from the advisory. In order to properly boil the water, bring tap water to a rolling boil 
Boil for one minute and cool before using. Boiled water should be used for drinking, making ice, washing dishes, brushing teeth, and preparing food until further notice. The advisory was in place as the day began and is still in effect at publication. More information in future editions of the newsletter. We are now in the time of year when localities across Virginia are well along the way of putting together budgets for the next fiscal year, which begins on July 1st. For localities that assess their property each year, a major driver in the budget development process is the release of new data on the fair market value for every parcel of land. On January 17, 2024, Albemarle supervisors were briefed on new property values for 2024. The overall average increased by a single-digit figure after double-digit increases in 22 and 23. Here's Peter Lynch, Albemarle County's assessor. This year, what we're looking at is a 4.07 overall increase to the tax base based on the reassessment. That's based on 1,856 validated sales in 2023. That's the lowest number in the past seven years. County Executive Jeffrey Richardson noted that this will provide less revenue growth to Albemarle for the next budget cycle. That's after two years of 8.4 and 13.46, which is an average of 10.93. So we've seen assessment uh, go down uh, approaching 7%. Richardson said this will be part of a challenging budget process. A total of 386 new parcels were created in Albemarle last year, bringing the total at the beginning of the year to 49,498. Different sections of the county performed differently, with the 341 parcels in the town of Scottsville having an overall average increase of 10.31%, followed by 6.89% for the Scottsville Magisterial District, which itself has 7,034 parcels. At the lower end, property assessments were up an average of 2.48% in the 10,027 parcels that make up the Whitehall District. The figures in the middle are... 2.64% for the 8,444 parcels in the Rivanna District, 3.16% for the 7,535 parcels of the Rio District, 4.86% for the 3,806 parcels in the Jack Jewett District, and 5.24% for the 9,272 parcels in the Samuel Miller District. The assessment data can be looked at in different ways. For instance, properties are all classified by the state of Virginia under different categories, such as urban residential. The urban residential, the number at the top, is uh, any property that has uh, county water and sewer. The 23,093 parcels in that classification increased an average of 4.49%. Here are some more. The 226 parcels designated as apartments increased an average of 5.63%. The 1,387 commercial industrial properties increased an average of 3.09%. The 3,382 rural properties between 20 acres and 99.99 acres increased an average of 2.41%, and the 840 parcels that are rural over 100 acres increased by an average of 1.1%. Lynch cautioned that these are averages and do not represent everyone's experience. It's really easy to talk about averages uh, in any one of our groups, but the actual experience can vary greatly. The Office of the Assessor also runs the county's land use taxation program. The whole point of of the land use program 
is to maintain uses, qualified uses on a property, um, and qualify for a lower uh, tax assessment, a land use assessment, and protect that land from being developed. Lynch said 2023 was a revalidation year, which meant participants had to demonstrate they still qualified. The number of parcels in the program dropped from 3,938 to 3,744. Now, some of those will uh, reapply and they'll get back in the program as long as their, their use has continued. The revalidation, you know, is just kind of a, a step and then a reapplication would cause them to go back under. Uh, some of those have fallen out and the revalidation really just brought it to our attention. Revalidation happens every two years. The overall amount of deferred real property taxes for 2024 still increased to 14 million. But in 2023, 139 parcels had to pay a rollback tax yielding $1,222,463 for the county. Tax bills are to be sent out today, January 26th. When you receive your notice and you see your value, uh, give us a call and we can explain the process to you, uh, especially as it relates directly to your property, um, your property and your neighborhood. Lynch said some of these calls may result in a formal review. Requests must be made by February 28th for that review. Property owners have until March 30th to appeal to the Board of Equalization if they are not satisfied. Those public hearings begin in the late spring. So if you get a request and you're not satisfied, you want more information, contact the assessor's office first. That's your first step. There continue to be many openings on appointed bodies in Charlottesville, including an open seat on the Planning Commission that has been vacant since last June. Applications are due on February 7th, with council expected to make appointments at their meeting on February 20th. This week, the Parks and Recreation Department sent out a notice seeking people to join their advisory board. The advisory board shall consult with and advise said bodies in matters affecting parks and recreation, marketing, membership, planning, programming, promotion, and other ledger services. You can apply for one of those positions in an online form. There's a link in the newsletter. Other openings include the Board of Architectural Review has an opening for an owner of a business in a design control district. The Community Development Block Grant Task Force needs a representative from the Ridge Street neighborhood and one from the 10th and Page neighborhood, as well as a public service program representative. The Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund Committee has two vacancies from people who are beneficiaries of subsidized housing. There are two vacancies on the Charlottesville Economic Development Authority. There's one vacancy on the Historic Resources Committee. There are five vacancies on the Housing Advisory Committee, which has many seats that are currently filled by leaders of nonprofit developers. The committee seeks another representative from a nonprofit, two at large representatives, and two people who currently benefit from subsidized housing. There is one vacancy on the Human Rights Commission, another on the Minority Business Commission, and there's still that one vacancy on the Planning Commission. Anyone who gets the job must fill out a conflict of interest form, and I'm going to be pulling those shortly for inspection. Many people have applied for this position, which has been open since last June. There is a vacancy on the Police Civilian Oversight Board for an at-large representative. This position closes on January 31st and not February 7th. 
The Sister Cities Commission is looking for a higher education representative. There is an unexpired term on the Social Services Advisory Board, and there are three vacancies on the Tree Commission. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out. One Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try an e-bike before buying one. That's where the Charlottesville e-bike lending library comes in. They're a free, not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of the vehicles that are lent out to community members for up to a week for free. So if you're interested, you could go about your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even try out biking your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. You can check out the service at ebikelibrarycville.org. One big story to go, and it's one small portion of a long work session on the Albemarle County Comprehensive Plan. At their meeting on January 17th, 2024, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors reviewed draft goals and objectives for five of the eight chapters in the update of the Comprehensive Plan. This process is called AC44. Tori Canalopoulos is a principal planner for the county. AC44 is organized into four phases. In the first phase, we developed the AC44 framework for an equitable and resilient community. The first phase also included taking a look at the county's designated growth areas to see if there is enough land in the development area to provide for thousands more residential units. This build-out analysis was completed in September of 22. The second phase has involved development of what the county refers to as toolkits to help think through how Albemarle should consider expansion of the development area or allow more uses in some parts of the rural area. We asked for the board direction on these toolkits and we heard that we should find ways to encourage more density and mixed use development in the development areas and prioritize using development areas land efficiently over potential expansion. Supervisors also gave direction to provide health services and community centers in the rural area. Some of the names of the chapters have been changed in this process. Environmental stewardship is the new name for the natural resources chapter, and that there are uh, separate rural area and development areas chapters, but they each have the land use and transportation element combined, so there's not a standalone transportation chapter. Canalopoulos said revisions will be made after feedback from the board, feedback that followed engagement with the Planning Commission and other bodies. Phase 3 will begin later in the spring, with specific action steps for each chapter of the plan. Phase 4 will be the creation of a single comprehensive plan, with public hearings before supervisors and the Planning Commission. The first chapter reviewed is the one renamed during the AC44 process to Environmental Stewardship. This has the goals of climate action, climate resilience, health and resilient waterways and water supplies, biodiversity and habitats, and sustainable materials management. Goal 1 relates to efforts to meet ambitious goals for climate action. Here's how it sounds. Goal 1. 
Albemarle County will undertake robust local climate action by implementing the county's climate action plan from 2020 and future updates to meet the Board of Supervisors' targets to reduce community greenhouse gas emissions by 45% from 2008 levels by 2030, achieve zero net emissions by 2050, and bring multiple benefits to the community and environment. Then there are four objectives. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley had a suggestion. When we talk about goal one, uh, what rose to my mind uh, is the maybe putting or asking our developers to use solar roof panels on developments. I don't know if that's feasible or not, but that's maybe could be, I don't know if it would be required, be suggested. Lepisto Kirtley also suggested language to push Albemarle to build solar roofs on its facilities and to use reflective paint in surface parking lots to reduce the heat island effect. Supervisor Ned Galloway said he appreciated a specific metric in Objective 1.1 to reduce transportation emissions by at least 37% by encouraging walking, cycling, transit, telecommuting, and transitioning to electric vehicles. Walking, cycling, and transit, I can see why those three would be lumped together. In my mind as a supervisor, that goes to our CIP and are we providing the infrastructure to be able to increase the use of walking, cycling, and transit. So it leads me to really pragmatic standpoints of, are we going to put the infrastructure in place to be able to increase the use of this? And are those going to show up in the action steps? Or is this just going to be educative, ed educating the public that you should walk more? Galloway said he is concerned about making government decisions that will force people to change their behavior. He also said the county was limited in its ability to provide transit, given that Albemarle does not have a vote in how the Charlottesville area transit system is run. Supervisor Ann Malik agreed with a suggestion from the Planning Commission that language about limiting light pollution needs to be present in what had been called the Natural Resources Chapter. Dark skies needs to be an environmental stewardship issue, as well as a scenic issue, as well as an economic development issue, because there are communities in Texas and New Mexico and Nelson County who are now welcoming visitors who want to be able to see the stars. Malik also made a pitch for goal four, which calls for the implementation of Albemarle's biodiversity action plan. It has not been well respected so far in our decision making. It needs to be in the checklist of things which are regularly considered. Malik also raised caution about losing forests to solar fields and suggested requiring tree conservation plans as part of developments. She also reminded supervisors that one reason to preserve land is that so food can be grown. If we can figure out a way to recognize soil for food production, that I think would be a good thing for our comprehensive plan, and I will stop there. Supervisor Michael Pruitt supported Malik's point on dark skies and added he thought the draft goals and objectives needed to have language about equity. Um, when you look at my district, the people who are disproportionately paying more for their utility costs, the people who are experiencing higher heat indexes, the people who have less tree canopies, are people who are living in neighborhoods that are currently and or historically uh, more racially diverse and more impoverished. Um, 
that seems like it bears explicit, you know, lampshading, highlighting in in our plan, uh, and how we think about addressing uh, issues of environmental quality. Pruitt also wanted more acknowledgement of how the county can help individuals who are affected by climate change. Supervisor Diantha McKeel echoed support for dark skies, but said the county needed cooperation from other institutions. It seems like to me with dark skies, we're not going to accomplish dark skies in this community if we don't have UVA and the city at the table with us. McKeel suggested that the Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee take up the issue, referring to a closed-door group of planners from all three entities and the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority that meet once a month on planning issues. The meetings are not open to the public, but agendas and minutes are posted online. McKeel also called for the ability to expand public water and sewer to rural area properties off of Hydraulic Road that are in her district to address failing septic systems there. I'm not talking about an expansion of the development area. I'm talking about trying to figure out how to deal with failing septic systems that are 60 years old, that sometimes people see sewage bubbling up. I actually have constituents that don't even know that they have a septic system. Supervisor Galloway also wanted to have a better sense of what is expected of particular words. When I see things like protect and support and increase and whatever the verbs are that we're going to use, then the how are we going to do that becomes important because I don't know. It's great if it's aspirational. That means we don't have to pay for it. (laughs) But if it's achievable, then the comp plan is supposed to say, and here's now the backup of how we're going to get in and get at doing these things. For this next one, let's hear goal four. Goal four, Albemarle County will achieve better local biological diversity, ecological integrity, and ecosystem resilience, including by implementing the Biodiversity Action Plan. Galloway has critique of the language in Objective 4.5. When I see objectives like increase native plant species and remove invasive species on county-owned properties, bam, I got it, clean. We've got control over our own property. It's doable. Let's get at it. But now it seems like we throw on a tag on on this objective and support adoption of these actions on private land. All right, is that just a high five? Let's say to our community, the county's specifically stating that we're going to do this on our land. And then if we think it's important to encourage or support or uh, influence or whatever the word is on private land, then that should probably be set up under a different category, in my opinion, or maybe it gets worked out in the action steps again. The information will be gathered, and we'll see these again in a different form in Phase 3. At this work session, supervisors also went through goals and objectives of the other four chapters, and I'll be providing you that information in a future edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. is now complete, and sometimes in the course of producing these reports, I get stuck. That happened this week as I had chosen earlier to write about Albemarle's assessments for Seville Weekly. That's a separate gig from this work. This scrambled me, as did writing up two property transaction summaries for Charlottesville. I am grateful for your patience as I try to find ways to ensure that this publication and podcast comes out like clockwork. 
I am hopeful that with time and with additional people helping me out, I'll be able to provide information more quickly. This is all an experiment whose aspirational outcome is to be producing material seven days a week, or even eight if the Beatles ever get their way. I am grateful for the people who are paying for a subscription through Substack or making a contribution through Patreon. I'm really fueled by all of it, including a sponsorship with Ting, where they will match the initial Substack payment. I'll take bets on when 629 comes out. Thank you very much. Goodbye.